All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2 this morning, Mark chapter 2, and uh, we're going to start with verse 1 and go through verse uh, 12, verse 1 through 12. Appreciate all of you being here this morning, appreciate the good faith promise so far is 41,420, amen, They're the fastest calculators I've ever seen in my life, that's good, Brother Al, y'all, y'all did good to get that that quick. 41,420. Now, I won't say a word about my needs because uh, God always takes care of them, but uh, I'll beg for missionaries because they're on the field and they're depending on us to stay together. So a lot of churches are split, splatting, and splintering over stupid stuff, pardon the expression. I should say unwise stuff like the color of the bus or whatever. And uh, it's just ridiculous that people are quitting churches. Pastors are pastoring about three years. And missionaries are on the field saying, well, I guess that's so much for our support. And I want to tell you something, folks. If we can't stay together, we sure can't pray for missionaries. I thank God for the unity and peace in this church and the submission and to the, to the uh, leadership of the Holy Spirit. Um, I was thinking about um, uh, this uh, humorous story I heard. And the, the, uh, uh, I, I kind of tell it in honor of Brother Bob because he always liked to make people smile. It was a nursery school teacher was del delivering a minivan full of um, kids home one day and when a fire truck zoomed past and sitting in front of the, uh, the seat uh, of the fire truck that was a Dalmatian dog. And the children started discussing uh, the dog's duties. And one of them said, they use him to keep the crowds back, said one little uh, fella. And then another one says, no, said another, he just, he's just there for good luck. And a third child brought the argument to a close when he said, they use that dog, she said firmly, to find the fire hydrant. <laughs> Amen. So I thought that was cute. Amen. You ought to put that up in the doctor's office there, Brother Andrew. All right, Mark chapter 2. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me when you preach through the Word of God, it's always on time. It's good to see Sarah back right after surgery. Amen. Brain surgery, wasn't it? Amen. No, no. And uh, she was a brave young girl, and I tell you what, I appreciate Brother Vinny and Brother Jason up there early praying her in, and uh, she's back in church, even though I bet she's not feeling too well. Uh, thank the Lord for her. Mark chapter 2 is so timely because it's about four people that got one person to Jesus. Now, folks, if that's not a picture of what we've been discussing, discussing, preaching, proclaiming, and begging for is that, folks, churches have to carry one corner of the cot. You know, if we just have a couple of churches drop support or drop prayer, the missionaries are hurt, and we don't get a lot of people to Jesus because churches don't do their part. And so I, when I started studying this passage, I, I, I titled it, One Corner of the Cot. One Corner of the Cot. I meant to bring a cot in here for an illustration. I'll have to figure out some way to, to maybe y'all can move that table, men in a minute, but um, Jesus was in the house, and the house was full, and what was he doing in that house? He was preaching, and folks, I want you to know that's the divine priority of Jesus, not to have a healing line, matter of fact, he ran out of town and said, don't tell anybody uh, where I'm at, and, and the leper that was just healed in chapter one that we preached on uh, two weeks ago, uh, couldn't hold it to himself, and he uh, blazed abroad the matter, and Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. 
And so he, about a year passed, um, and he, uh, maybe it was just about a month passed, and he came back and came to Peter's house, and it was noised abroad that he was in the house. And I want you to see what these four men did, and that's what our church ought to do. We need to stay together. We need to do our part. We need to have, have uh, the attributes and the, and the character of these men, could have been ladies, probably was, or children, or teenagers, I don't know who it was that carried the cot, but they got the man to Jesus, and that's what counts, amen? We need to get more people to Jesus. We need to, we need to get visitors in here, amen? We need to visit, and, we, and I thank God for you that were visiting. I know there's a good number on the bus this morning because of visitation, but I want to tell you something. We need to, we need to not drop this pioneer spirit. You know, when we started, we were desperate to get people in church or nobody would be here. And sometimes we get settled in and we just sort of ride on the cot instead of carrying the cot. And so I want to preach on one corner of the cot. Let's stand on the Word of God. And again, he entered into Capernaum uh, after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that they were, there was no room to receive them, not, no, not so much as about the doors. And he preached the Word of God unto them. Amen. I'm glad we don't have to have a show to have the house full. It says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. Took four of them to get one to Jesus. And when they come, could not come nigh unto him for the press, and that doesn't mean the press like we have, especially those liberal press. It says, They uncovered the roof uh, where he was, and when they had broken it up, uh, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy laid. And Jesus saw their faith. Would you underline that? Jesus saw their faith. Not the man on the cot. Their faith. Those four that uh, carried their corner of the cot. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Look at the priority. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. There's always some of those around. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in the spirit that they uh, so reasoned within themselves, he can read your mind, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it be easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. And, but, they, but that he may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And said to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good week that we've had. Thank you, God, for the great preaching from a great man of God. And thank you for the good... Uh, families that came by, some of them very weary, some of them very tired, uh, Lord, traveling great distances that day just to be with us. And God, thank you for the faithfulness of your people to cook and to, and to uh, uh, Lord, just uh, be receptive to their presentation, be interested, be compassionate enough to give and to pray for them daily. And I pray, dear God, you get them on the field very soon. And Lord, we know it takes all of us doing our part to get people to the field. And Lord, I praise you and thank you for a church that loves your mission 
and that's soul winning around the world. So Lord, please help us as we preach your gospel, Lord, to lift you up. God, I need your help very much this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray for clarity of thought, uh, strength to deliver this message, and I'll thank you and praise you for the anointing of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice in chapter 2 of Mark, and that's exactly where we're at the Tonight, today, is that um, Jesus is in the house. Amen? I want to tell you what makes the difference in a church from a club and a club from a church and just an organization and his body meeting in the name of Jesus is that he's in the house. Folks, I want to tell you something. Friend, we need to lift up Jesus at all costs. And I believe that we uh, people know that he's in the house, number one, by your consistent changed life. If, you, if your life's not changed by the grace of God, then he's not in your heart. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I don't believe we can be the same people that we used to be at, uh, before we got saved. Then a consistent testimony will prove that he's in the house or he's in your heart. And then soul winning. I believe that we need to go where people are. We're, we're over the days where people just come to church. I mean, folks, they've got to be invited. I guarantee you, every visitor in this room this morning, which I wish we had a whole lot more, came because somebody brought them. Somebody invited them. They just didn't come. They might have come on an old rugged van. Not the old rugged cross, the old rugged van, amen? They might have come on a big old bus. If you want to know anything about a, a, a bus, ask Brother Mark. He'll tell you all about it. But I want to tell you something, friend. God help us to realize that we cannot wait for sinners just to come in this place. We cannot sit here and just have prayer meetings and fellowships and think the house is going to be full. What we need to do is go after them. What we need to do is uh, continue what we started this church with, and that's going and knocking on doors and visiting and carrying one corner of the cot. The church is not a spectator sport, by the way. You're to be involved. Uh, folks, it's a supernatural body of Christ. I don't believe there's any, there's any substitute for the church of God. Folks, there's an ordained place that you ought to go. And that's the ecclesia, of the called out assembly, the church of the living God. There's ordained preachers. Folks, there's the right kind of word. The King James Bible, I'm convinced of, amen, is God's preserved inerrant word. And folks, the house was full. Why? Well, look at verse 2. It says, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, folks, they might have come for the healing. And, and they might have come uh, because it was noise abroad that Jesus was back in Capernaum, that Jesus had come back. And, folks, his presence, folks, needs to be uplifted. And his presence, and, folks, listen, it took cooperation to get one person to Jesus. Isn't that the truth today? It takes about four visits to get a person, uh, person to come one time. Uh, Miss Connie and I were out yesterday visiting and this fellow was on the front porch and he was uh, 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 cleaning collard greens and we got up a good conversation about that. He says, yeah, I've been there one time. I said, well, why don't you come back two times? And his little girl comes all the time, amen, and she's so excited about church and, and Connie was getting some uh, paper signed so she could participate in game time and we had a good visit with the mom and I said well I want to apologize uh, for Wednesday night I'm just so sorry we were so late getting back but uh, we had an old-fashioned preacher and it was a revival and she said oh don't worry about that 
says, hey, we stay out all the time for all kinds of things. He says, sometimes a preacher just needs to rear back and preach as long as God leads him to. Amen. I said, well, I'm, uh, forgive me for, for, uh, for apologizing, amen. And uh, this lady's not in church. She knew more about church than I did, I thought. Praise God. But folks, listen, if the little girl came home and said Jesus was in the house, it makes a difference, amen. And folks, especially since uh, our Christian duty is to get people to Jesus. Amen? And it's harder today than it was with all this entertainment downtown. All this hollabaloo and stuff going on and all these TV evangelists with all their healing lines and all their apostleship that they're not of. And folks, it's harder today. When I started the church 40 years ago, I could knock on the door and people would absolutely be receptive and be interested and, and, and invite you in for coffee and pound cake and all kinds of distractions. And that's why I got so fat. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's, it's a wonderful blessing to just go out anyway, no matter what. And there's obstacles. There's people in the way. And there's the devil and the flesh and the world that tries to tell us that church is not necessary and that Jesus is not necessary. Folks, this is all about Jesus. This is all about Christ. This is not coming for some religious jargon. It's not coming to, and uh, uh, trying to go through some motions and sprinkle some holy water. By the way, this plant needs watering right here. Uh, sprinkling some hot, holy water on, uh, uh, on somebody. Uh, and folks, uh, be accused of uh, being a pedophile and have a conference in Rome over why all the priests are perverted. I'll tell you why they're perverted. Because they add to the Word of God and say they can't be married. You ought to get married, say amen. All you singles say amen right there, praise God. But anyway, there's a lot of perversion going on today. A lot of things that are wicked in, the, in religion. So, I'm glad we can come and say, hey, Lord, you're welcome. Lord, you're welcome. And you're honored. And he's still on the throne. And he ought to stay on the throne because, folks, I want to tell you something. There is nobody like him. Jesus is Lord. And we're here to worship him. I always tell the choir, I says, sing for him. I don't know why I say that. That's why they're there. Amen. They're not there singing for you. They're not singing for themselves. They're singing for him. And I sing because I'm saved. But I'm going to give you four, four men that I believe picked up their corner of the cot. Number one, there has to be somebody that recognized the need. I believe, folks, we need to realize that they brought him because they knew he would make a difference. And folks, listen, they had compassion that made a difference. Some guy had to give up his um, time. It says they come to him bringing one sick of palsy. Verse 3, which was born of four. And when they'd come not nigh unto him for the press, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where the uh, where he was when they had broken it up, when they let down the bed therein, sick of the palsy lay. And so here's a packed house. A lot of them coming for the healing line. A lot of them are coming for the healing, probably for the wrong reason. But when Jesus saw them, what did he, what did he do? He preached the word of God to them. He preached the gospel. He probably preached about he was going to go to the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. And folks, he would not preach to that one man because that one man could not come. He was helpless. And so, so are you if you're lost. He was dead in his sins and trespasses, Ephesians chapter 2, 2. Folks, he was helpless. He could not save himself. And folks, we see he was dead, but his destiny was he was going to hell. And Jesus knew that was more of an urgent need than his palsy, than his sickness. 
Folks, that his sin was the question, and he needed to be saved. I think about Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to make this place a place of rescue. I love the theme, rescue a sinner like me. And folks, where was you when Jesus came to you? Why did you hear the gospel? I guarantee you somebody brought you the gospel. Somebody cared enough for your soul to pick you up on a little bus or a little van. Somebody cared enough to invite you on your job or cared enough to preach the Bible or cared enough to come to a town and start a church and you were saved by the grace of God. Don't get over that. Somebody had compassion on your soul. Folks, listen, the Good Samaritan saw that man in the ditch. Uh, The priest went on the other side. The Levite went on the other side. They knew about his need. They saw his need. But they didn't want to get down in the ditch and get dirty. And and then then he put him up on the beast. That's a picture of a bus in the local independent Baptist church. Put him on the beast. And folks, he went to the inn. And praise God, I preach a message often on the, the haven of rest. The the inn represents the church. And folks, it's a place of rescue. It's a place of redemption. Praise God, it's a place of, of, uh, of lifting up Jesus. Because I guarantee you, when that man got up the next morning, beaten and bruised, and somebody paid for his room, he probably wanted to know about his Savior. And it was a good Samaritan. And Jesus pictured himself as that, and he said, go and do likewise. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to be like a good Samaritan. And the good Samaritan was full of compassion that he went to the ditches of life, the beat up and bruised and lacerated of life, the dead in their sins and trespasses, and he picked them up and he put them on his beast, his donkey, and he brought him to the hotel, the motel, and said, I'll pay the fare and I'll, I'll pay the price. And folks, we need to sacrifice. So first of all, we need to recognize the need. People need the Lord. What a beautiful song Wednesday night. People need the Lord. Look out through the window. Brother uh, Randy and I sing a song, and I was going to ask him if we wanted to sing it again this morning, and I, and I don't have the voice or the health to do it. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says, the, this, this song says, push away from the table, look out through the window pane. My field is, uh, see, my house is full, but his field is empty. And folks, it's easy to come to church. And I don't want to discourage that because I didn't think we was going to have anybody about 15 minutes ago. It's easy to come to church. But I'll tell you what it takes. A person that realizes that sinners are not going to come on their own. And they need somebody to go get them. They need somebody to pick them. You ought to, listen, we ought to do away with the bus ministry in the sense that every person's car ought to be a bus. Every person ought to have a ministry of picking up kids and picking up their neighbors and picking up friends and picking up, picking up, picking them up. Why? Because they're not interested in coming. I guarantee there's a lot of parents that turned over, put another quilt on, and said, thank goodness it's quiet for two hours. I got rid of them. Well, we'll take them. We'll take them. And we pray that they'll come home so excited that Jesus is in the house that they'll reach mom and daddy. And that they'll, they'll be the missionaries sent out to those little little uh, quarters and little houses and little apartments to reach daddy and a lot of times reach granddaddy as I I talked to one yesterday that's raising his kids' children as a lot of them are doing today because of sin. And so folks, listen, we got to go where they're at. 
Don't, get, don't, don't, don't ever look at people as just people. You know, don't class people, red, white, blue, Hispanic, rich, poor. Look at them as either lost or saved, going to heaven or going to hell. And then you're looking at them as Jesus looked at them. Number two, we need to have somebody of great faith. Folks, the Bible says in verse 5, I believe one corner of the cot, he said, I know he needs Jesus. He's helpless. He can't get there on his own. He had compassion that made a difference, and he picked up his corner. But the other fellow that picked up the corner, I believe that he had some faith. And I will tell you what it, the Bible says in verse 5 is when Jesus saw the, their faith. Their faith. Isn't that wonderful? He saw their faith. I mean, in the Bible days, they had uh, steps along the sides of the houses, and they didn't literally jack him up and rope him up and everything, but they got to the roof, and then they had to lower him down into, into the altar area probably, and that sort of would store up. I wish that happened here, praise God. I'd redo this ceiling if that happened. Amen. Somebody just come, couldn't, get, couldn't get in for the press and start knocking on that door with some sinner. And I want to tell you something, friend. He, they, he saw their faith. And I want to tell you what their faith was. We can only get him to Jesus if we can only get him to Jesus. Folks, we ought to have that kind of faith. I believe that Jesus can change anyone. I believe God can save anyone. I'm not hyper-Calvinist where he's predestined foreordained some to go to hell. What a, what a crazy tulip that is when you have the rose of Sharon. Amen. They think whosoever will. And folks, I've seen drunks saved like my daddy. I've seen people in this, in this, in this, sitting in this auditorium right now that everybody gave up on, but Jesus didn't. And Jesus saved them. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to not get over people getting saved. We ought to thank God we're saved. Rescue a sinner like me. But we ought to have faith that he can save them. How many believe that Jesus is able to save? Say amen. Well, kindergarten faith is this. The Bible's true. 1,500 years, 44 different authors, 66 different books, and not one contradiction. This is, that's really just basic faith. And so, so help me, friend. I don't know why people pervert it, twist it, and try to have their own versions. This is the Word of God. And then elementary faith is this, I believe the Bible. You ought to believe it. It's God's Word. But I'll tell you what high school faith is, is that I believe He can do it again today. Now, he don't work the same way. He don't have apostles today with the gift of healing. But folks, He still heals through prayer. Say amen. He works different ways. But I won't tell you what graduate faith is. Not only the Bible is true, not only do I believe the Bible, not only do I believe He could do it again, still works miracles, still save souls, that God can do it through me. That God can do it through me. Folks, that's graduate faith. You want to graduate from a pew warmer to a pew filler? Pew, that's hard for me to say. You want to graduate from uh, uh, just being ministered to and minister? That's what the theme of Mark is, Mark 10, 45. He came not to be ministered, but ministered unto and give his life a ransom for many. You want to graduate from just getting to giving? Amen? I'll tell you what you do it. How you do it? By faith. By faith. You believe God can use your faith promise by faith. That God can actually help a missionary stay on the field by faith. By groceries. By Bibles. By building. By your little money that you would waste on something insignificant. Say amen. Went to the Georgia Bulldog game the other day. The only reason I did because somebody paid for the ticket, paid for the meal, paid for... Paid for Almost paid for the parking, I paid for that. 
That was $20. That was outrageous. <clears throat> then I had to walk two miles. That was really outrageous. My son kept carrying me up the sidewalk. Come on, Dad. You know. But, you know, I thought, how much money is going Jet planes going over? I thought, man, I'm going to tape this. That's, that's awesome. Big old screen TV. Wasn't no 48-inch one. I mean, it was 75 foot, it seemed like. Amen. I mean, it was a big deal. And then these guys come out on the field at halftime and say, we'd like to recognize these 48 couples that's given over $100,000 to the Bulldog Fund. I thought, wow, give me their address. Praise God. Over $100,000. Because, folks, I want to tell you something. If they win the national championship, that's only temporary, and it's only a game. But, folks, we can give for eternal dividends. It'll last forever. Get your priorities straight. Friend, we need to have faith that if we can only get them to Jesus, He will save them by faith, not by figuring, but it's by faith. I believe every boy, girl, man, and woman that yields their life to Christ can be part of bringing people to Jesus. And when you bring them to Jesus and they believe, they're going to heaven and not hell. I like to repeat that. I'll step on this flower doing it. You, they're not going to hell. They're going to heaven. Amen. There's a big difference. There's an eternal difference. They're not going to burn forever in the lake of fire. Mentioned 13 times by the greatest preacher that ever preached on this earth, Jesus. But they're going to heaven with peace and joy and purpose and praise forever. Now, folks, I believe that's worth believing in. And that means that you don't just put uh, prayers on your faith, but you put feet on your faith. You pick up one corner of the cotton. And then number three, I think somebody had to be willing to sacrifice. I believe when that man got to Jesus, somebody had to have compassion, had to see the need. Somebody had great faith. That, oh, if we can only get him to Jesus. And then somebody had to be willing to sacrifice. Those men gave their time. But folks, who gave you time? I want to ask you a question. Who gave you life? Where's every breath come from? Where's every heartbeat come from? I mean, what, what, what amount of strength did God give you this week to make it through the week? Every bit of it. You can shake your fist at God if you want to. That's a very dangerous thing to do, heathen, because I'm going to tell you something. He could say, okay, I'll cut the breath off I give you. And he's, and he's justified doing it, but thank God for his mercy. He gives you time. Why? To invest in his glory. To use his, for his glory. He created you, Isaiah 43, 7, for his glory. He didn't create you to be God's gift to women, men. Or God's gift to men, women. He didn't create you just to make money. That's what a lot of people, they just give their whole life to make money. My uncle was very rich and he had me lined up at Schenectady, New York for executive training for General Electric Appliance Company. And I was on the way to the top because I had pulled. And on the day before Christmas, my lost uncle died of a massive heart attack from the stress of General Electric. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world? 
and lose his soul. Folks, we've got to realize that God has given us some time. Then God's given us talent. God's blessed you to be a blessing. I looked over the orchestra this morning, saw them blowing their wind towards God. Amen. I knew Derek had been sick all week, and here he was over there giving, it his, giving his all on that trumpet or trombone or baritone or whatever it is. Praise God. It's not a tuba. I know that. But that uh, what, what better way to use your talent? Amen. You want to make Stevie Wonder famous? Play for him. Stevie Wonder. Led Zeppelin. <clears throat> Chicago. That's a brass band. I won't tell you how I know. Your talent. Your talent. Tijuana Brass. Tell you about all the things I did when I was a kid that I shouldn't have done. Amen. Go ahead and play for them. That's all right. Use, use your talent. Use your talent to drive a uh, a truck or a bus. Use your talent to decorate an auditorium or decorate your own house. I'm just saying, folks, God's blessed you with a, to be a blessing. And then, then money. Oh, my, this is touchy. All Baptists grab their wallet when I start preaching on money. But I want to tell you what money is. It's time minted. You know what money is? You earned it. But God gave you the strength to earn it. And the sense to find your job. If it wasn't for God, you'd be wandering around saying, I wonder where my job is. Amen. You ever got in a car and ended up some other place? You could be doing that every day. The National Retail Federation, I looked this up. That sounds real impressive, don't it? Said this year at Halloween, we'll spend, you'll spend, I ain't spending it, $9 billion. $84.74 for everybody that participates is the average cost. That's candy, costumes. Now, what's more important? Celebrating a holiday that really the origin of it is so wicked, I could give it to you and turn your stomach. Spending, what could we use with $9 billion for worldwide missions? We could build the entire Camp Rhino 17,000 times around the world with that much money. But oh, everybody gets excited about it. I've seen adults dress up and look ridiculous. Men dress up like women, women like men. One time I didn't have no better, I had a Halloween party at our church on Halloween, on Halloween and the secretary of our church showed up dressed like a witch. And I thought, boy, this just don't look right. I mean, I'm learning. This is my first year. We're still in the storefront. This is my first year of pastoring. I didn't, I didn't know any better. I was just learning as I go. I dressed up as a state trooper. Sure did. We was playing games and the windows open. <laughs> and people probably driving down. I turned red on this. Driving down saying, those idiots, don't they realize what they're doing? I didn't. I had no idea. You got to grow, amen. I know you won't give up Halloween this year, but I'm wor I'm working on about a year from now. You ought to be get getting some conviction about it. But nine billion dollars, nine billion. So we ought to give our money to what counts, amen. And don't you say, "Well, I don't have it." You spend money on what you love. Say, amen. Ninety-two thousand people rocking that stadium. I said, they love this place. 
I was glad I was there free. <laughs> now, I ain't going to give up the dogs. I ain't that spiritual yet, but I'm just saying this. I'm just saying this. God help us if we invest and spend all our money on things that really don't matter. It's quiet now. Y'all going to take back your faith promise and leave. I understand. But folks, listen. Somebody's got to be willing to sacrifice pleasure. No greater joy. No greater joy to see somebody saved. To walk in the truth. No greater joy. If you ever win somebody, Lord, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's no greater joy that God would use your little life to introduce somebody to the eternal God. The eternal God. An eternal life. Use you. Not to sell a vacuum cleaner, but to use you to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. And it's worth giving up a little of your pleasure. Well, I would come Thursday night visitation or Tuesday night visitation or Saturday morning visitation, but I really like my Little League game. I remember when Jason had to play basketball. He played basketball, he didn't have to, for Southeast High. And they said, well, we're going to have Wednesday night practice. I said, well, you can have it, but he ain't going to be here. I said, can we work out a compromise? He said, well, I don't know. He won't start. He won't get that scholarship. They always hang that over you. He got a scholarship anyway. Probably the worst thing he ever got. And I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll let, uh, we'll let him practice with the freshmen at 5 o'clock so he can make church at 7. Or he ain't going to practice at all. Coach said, okay. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It was worth the sacrifice because he's the assistant pastor of this church, reaching young people, pushing missions, probably too long this morning, but pushing missions. And folks, he wasn't going to be an NBA player anyway, and if he had, he'd probably spend all his money on junk. So what's more important? Oh, no, we can't give up that practice. We can't give up that team. Folks, you need to teach your children that the kingdom of God's more important than them winning a blooming ball game. Come on, say amen. We got our priorities so out of whack, and your kids know it. Somebody's got to be willing to sacrifice their pride. Most of the time, parents are reliving their childhood through their kid anyway. That's why they crucify the referees when they make a mistake. What will change when your son becomes a referee? One time, Jason was refereeing and over in Valley Point, and these people behind him were crucifying him and threatening him. I finally had enough. I got up. I said, I want to tell you something. That, that referee happens to be my son. If you say another word, I'm going to backslide, and I'm going to tell you what... Uh, no, I didn't really say <laughs> So I got in the flesh. Oh, he missed the call. Well, good for you. But boy, that's, that's, you know, that's a pleasure. Somebody's got to be willing to sacrifice to be in the church of God faithfully. But not just be in the church of God, but be in the prayer room. Put the first fruits of your income towards Jesus. You're picking up one corner of the cot. i got to quit. Number four, and lastly, aren't you glad there was only four men? Aren't you glad it wasn't 18? <laughs> y'all be here all day. I appreciate y'all and appreciate straight preaching.
Brother Austin used to have a favorite saying, if I got you mad yet, that's not my intention. My, my intention is not to make you mad. My intention is to get on a Holy Ghost conviction. Amen. Number four, somebody's got to be determined never to quit. When they got to the house, it was full. The press, I mean, people were just pressed all around. And they said, we can't stop here. We've got to get him to Jesus. They didn't get him to the courtyard, didn't get him to church only, didn't get him to the activities surrounding the, the house. We've got to get him to Jesus. And folks, I want to tell you something. Most people, all they want to do is get a crowd, but they don't want to get them to Jesus. And folks, sometimes it's difficult to get people to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? All hell will keep you from soul winning. Amen. All the devils of, 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 the, of, of hell will try to defer you and scare you and intimidate you. And then even Christians will get in the way. Look at verse 2. The story where many were gathered together and so much there was no room to receive them. I want to tell you something, friend. We, we should always have room for sinners in this church. We ought to make room. My friend, if you have to stand up in the back, make sure sinners get a seat in the front. Amen? Don't ever get caught up in the program where we're going to have a singing or a drama and we ain't got room for the sinners. Folks, that's the reason we have church is to make room for the sinners. Even, even Christians will stand in the way. But I see in verse 5, their faith was rewarded. And when they saw the faith, he said to the sick of palsy, their faith, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then, of course, here's the crowd but there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? And folks, I want to tell you what the, their, their, their reward was. This man was saved. Now can you imagine, can you imagine them walking by and then all of a sudden Mr. Faith says, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe it's worth it. And he drops his corner. What would have happened to that old boy? He'd have rolled off into the dirt. Or maybe it was Mr. Compassion. You know, I just don't feel like going visiting this week. I, I just don't feel, you know, I just don't feel up to it. I, don't go by feelings, go by faith. God will, God will adjust your feelings after you live by faith. And so Mr. Compassion would have dropped his corner. What would have happened? Hey, but how about Mr. Sacrifice? Hey, listen, I'm tired of this. You know, nobody appreciates me anyway. I can't do anything right. Bus won't crank. Bus won't stop. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just not worth it, John. And I, you drop your corner of the bed. What happens to all those people I run into all the time that don't know me, but they say, oh, is that the church Brother John goes to? I was raised in that church. I said, well, good. Why don't you get back in a church? Amen. <laughs> Folks, just think, one person, one person, and then maybe this guy you would never think would drop his corner. The guy that said, I'll never quit. Said, I'm quitting. I'm tired. I believe we ought to get tired in the ministry. We should never get tired of the ministry. And this morning, if I'd have, if I'd have went by my feelings, I would be home in bed. I'll be honest with you. By the grace of God, I've never missed a, a preaching appointment because of sickness. I know my day's coming, and I'm not bragging. And I'm not knocking on wood, but I'm telling you, friend, we need to cooperate. 
Your coat of the bed is important because that old boy's never going to get to Jesus unless somebody has courageous faith, somebody continuously faithful, somebody has consecrated and sacrificed their pride and self, and if somebody's not committed and determined to get somebody to Jesus. Here's the bottom line. I got four more minutes. I'm going to use every bit of it. Verse 12. Verse 11. I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way unto thy house. Can you imagine what happened in his house when he got home? I believe he led every one of his children to the Lord. I believe he led his wife to the Lord. I ain't got scripture for it. This, this is the Cofield Bible now. No, uh, I, I believe he got home. He was excited about being changed. And folks, I want to say this. Before he was healed of palsy, he was saved. Do you see the priority? The greatest miracle of all is salvation. Jesus said, I can't stay here with the crowds. I got to go preach to the next village. Let us go on, he said past chapter. But I want to show you what the bottom line is. Verse 12. And immediately he arose up in the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God. Saying we never saw it on this fashion. Folks, here's the bottom line. When you pick up your corner of the cot it's not just about getting this man to Jesus. It's not just about building a church in Africa or Turkey or Ghana. That is Africa, isn't it? Spain. By the way, those two missionaries that's going to Spain got their training on a bus route. It's about God's glory. And folks, I can't think of a better way to glorify God than a man gets saved and then healed and go home and win his family, and they'll say, I never saw it on this fashion. Folks, salvation of a soul is still a miracle. It's the greatest miracle. And folks, God has called us to be part of that miracle of picking up our corner of the cot. Are you Mr. Faith? Are you Mr. Compassion? Are you Mr. Sacrifice, or you missed your determination, you're never going to quit. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friends. It takes all of us to pick up the corner of the cot and bring people to Jesus. The missionaries cannot do it on their own. They must have churches, and that's you, and that's me. Don't look at his building. Pick up their corner of the cot. And pray. How about encourage? Don't you think missionaries get, around Christmas, there's more missionaries quit than any other time. Mama, mama starts missing mama. Grandkids start crying for grandparents. Demons start bombarding the kids and they fall to sin and they, have, they come off the field. Why? Because somebody didn't pick up their corner of the cot of faith and prayer and encouragement and compassion. Folks, listen, it takes four to get one 
to Jesus. And it's all for God to be glorified, Christians to be purified, the church to be edified, and the lost to be evangelized. Find your place of service, I beg you, and pick up your corner of the cot. Father, thank you for this timely message. I wish I could have preached it more enthusiastically. I wish I could have preached it clearer. But dear God, I did the best I could. And Lord, I pray, oh God, we wouldn't stop, start looking at other people picking up their corner of the cot. But God, that we'd grab a corner. That we'd have faith. That we'd lean on the person that's got compassion if we don't have compassion. And God, that we'd see the example of those that never quit. God, thank you for all of us that can have faith. If we can only get a soul to Jesus, you'll save them and change them for eternity. Please, Lord, help us not be guilty of just letting loose of our corner, dropping our responsibility, and letting souls roll off into eternity of hell. God, Give us faith.